association with Headstuff and the podcast this show is Dublin. part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Remember at headstuffpodcast.com. Welcome, gather around the fireside and listen to a tale of Fionn McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore, mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan and I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we have episode 156 and we have the long-awaited and long-anticipated beginning of our look at Grania Whale, Ireland's Pirate Queen. But first, I want to give a very big welcome to any new and returning listeners. Happy New Year to all of you from the, the shores of Dubai. I'm still out here. I'm still out here. I've only been here a couple of weeks out playing at the World Expo over here at the Irish Village until the end of March. Uh, so I spent Christmas over here, which was very strange to be in Christmas, but it was great to get to record the Fireside Christmas special from here, um, which made me feel like I was a little bit closer to home and it felt a little bit more Christmassy in a place that is significantly less Christmassy. Well, it felt inherently less Christmassy by being away from my friends and family, but I still had a great day. I was gigging on the day itself, which I'd rather have been doing. Um, but it feels like I haven't recorded one of these in ages and it's only been a week. Uh, but it's great to be back and especially with something like this. Uh, first of all, if you haven't done so already, please do follow me over on Instagram at firesidebard or email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. Buy my poetry book, Garden Sea. It's available on Kindle version and in paperback. Uh, the links are in the description below. You can get it on the Headstuff website in paperback, and you can get it on Amazon on Kindle. And the story for... Oh, please, if you also can wish to really support the podcast, you can do so by joining Headstuff Plus over on headstuffpodcast.com. Link is in the description as well, where for as little as five euro a month, although you can pay more if you want, you can gain access to not just bonus material for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network, and there are more growing each and every month. Headstuff Plus is only going from strength to strength, so thank you for all of those who have now been supporting for a year over on Headstuff Plus. Headstuff Plus is now entering its second year, but there's no hard sound those. Those are there if you so want, but thank you so much for listening, and if nothing else, if you enjoy the podcast, please do tell someone else about it. Help Fireside to continue to grow as it now enters its fourth year as we've just recently celebrated our third anniversary. But the story for this week, we begin a new exciting chapter on Fireside. This is, this is a character I've wanted to look at since the very first episode, really. Certainly since I wrote the theme song, because this has been the only person featured in the Fireside theme that I have not covered so far. 
It's a rhyme of which I'm still particularly fond. As someone who's not a particularly accomplished songwriter, I was particularly fond of rhyming tale with Grania Whale. And that is who we're looking at today. We're looking at Grace O'Malley, Ireland's pirate queen, who is, I'll just say it right out, is a historical figure is not a character from folklore and mythology, but she has supremely entered folklore and mythology, and she very much belongs alongside. And we, as you will see as we delve into the story, we very much owe folklore and mythology for the fact that we know about Grania Whale at all, because she was essentially, it, it was as if she was trying to be not even erased from history. Her, her records were never even recorded. Her considerable accomplishments of 40 years ruling the the rugged west coast of Ireland by both land and sea uh, were never were never written down in an attempt to just wipe her because uh, she was first of all a woman and second of all a woman who didn't prescribe to the the era the Kathleen Nihulahan uh, perfect image of an Irish woman that was like to be perceived at that time and even to a degree today but uh, Grace O'Malley had no need for any of that and her legend persisted through the oral tradition through folklore through song through story through poetry uh, until in more recent times we have now know more and more about her and she has been cemented as the legend that she is to the point where now there is even a Boubil and Schomburg this French composers who wrote Les Miserables and Miss Saigon uh, also have a seldom performed musical about Grania Whale. So I think that's the real testament to the spread of the legend. But we're going we're gonna to get back into the regular routine of Fireside, which is kind of handling a myth slash legends as these are on one week, and then we're going to go back to a folk tale on alternating weeks. So we're getting very much back into the traditional rhythm of Fireside, which I know a lot of the listeners have been missing and have been hoping for me to return to. And I have heard you and very much looking forward to getting back into the swing of Fireside for 2022, which is hopefully going to be a significantly brighter year for all of us. I get messages from people who've been catching up through the through the episodes and they're listening to episodes from the start of the pandemic back in March 2020 and they're messaging me going, um, I'm so sorry that we're still in this right now and so am I. But Fireside has been a great solace to me personally to get to keep doing it each and every week and it's made a huge difference to me to get messages from you to hearing that it's been any kind of small consolation or solace to what has been a very, very difficult two years and counting for us all so far. So I don't know how many episodes. I'd say it'll be maybe between three and five episodes I'm planning on Grania Whale, depending on how much I can condense her story um, but still tell the full tale. My main source for this, I'll say right now, is an incredible biography. I'll put the link in the description below. Um, of Grania Whale call, uh, called Grace O'Malley, Ireland's Pirate Queen by a historian named Anne Chambers. It recently had its 40th anniversary. Uh, Anne Chambers was a real pioneer for what we do know about Grania Whale and she was the one who went to the very limited resources there were to find out about her. And she wrote this incredible book that then had a, a beautiful uh, re-edition of it in the last few years, with a foreword by Mary McAleese, who was the former president of Ireland for um, my outside Ireland listeners, which even incorporated 
just the significance on Irish feminism that uh, in the wake of the Me Too movement that uh, figures like Grace O'Malley continue to have. And it's a it's a great honor and privilege. And just it's just really cool and exciting to be finding out more about her again, because I I received this um, I received this as a present for my birthday a few years ago, this biography. And I read it. I read it about two years ago now and I loved it. But similar to when we looked at Brian Beru, it's a very different thing when you're dealing with history and not mythology. I'm not a historian. I am at most a storyteller. And my interest is just in in telling a simple and clear version of these stories and my own version of these stories and for you to then carry them on and continue to tell them or do further reading on them if there is further reading to be done. So history is a very different beast. Obviously, I can't tell my own version of history. But what I have attempted to do in a similar way to Brian Beru is to streamline the story of Gráinne Whale, to tell the story of her life. And I have the freedom to incorporate the elements of folklore and mythology. I'll never step on the toes of history, but nor am I going to get bogged down with dates and with each individual person that crossed her path because I'm not just going to do the Cliff Notes version of Anne Chambers' biography. I am going to, with each episode on her, there will be like a specific story to be told. So this first episode is focused on the rise, the rise of Grania to becoming Ireland's Pirate Queen. We'll chat a bit more afterwards, of course, but this is the first part. This is Grania Whale, Ireland's Pirate Queen on Fireside. <laughs> Grania Whale, Ireland's Pirate Queen. Never has the function of folklore been better exemplified than with the preserving of the legend of Grace O'Malley, or as she became known as, Grania Whale. Grace lived in an Ireland which had once held a matriarchal sway in the time of the Celts, but in the 1,000 years since the rise of Christianity and of Roman law, the role of women had been completely reduced to childbearing and marriage dowries. Indeed, despite having a claim to have ruled Ireland's most rugged western coast by both land and sea for over 40 years, even after her death, Gronuel's place in history was not so much erased as it was never recorded. The only historical source we have for Ireland's Pirate Queen comes to us from English official state records, coming from Grania's frequent letters to her then-perceived enemy, Queen Elizabeth I, another woman who defied every custom, law, and expectation of a woman in her time. It has been said that Grania Whale was relegated to myth, to folklore, and to legend, much like the heroes she echoed, the sovereignty goddess Eru, the trainer of heroes Skatok, and perhaps most similarly of all, Ireland's warrior queen, Maeve of Connacht. It could be said becoming a character of folklore undermines the history and the actual deeds of the very real Grania Whale. Yet without folklore, we may never have heard of Ireland's pirate queen at all. Her story and her legend were passed down by word of mouth from generation to generation. 
She was commemorated in song and poetry until at last modern historians could unearth what truth they could from the limited resources at their disposal. Now the name of Gráinne Whale is as famous as any other Irish hero, historical or mythical. And the fact that she did indeed enter the realm of myth and folklore is, if anything, a true testament to her skill, charisma and power as a leader. Grace was born as the only legitimate child of Dove Dara, or Black Oak O'Malley, and of his wife Margaret. The O'Malleys had been, since the 1200s, one of the most powerful clans in Ireland. Their motto was Terra Morique Potens, or Powerful by Land and Sea. They controlled a series of strongholds in County Mayo on the rugged west coast of Ireland. The O'Malleys maintained their power over the centuries because no one without an intimate knowledge of the tides, inlets, rocks and sandbanks of the islands of Clue Bay could possibly infiltrate their strongholds. This was the world Dovdara O'Malley inherited, and the one his daughter Grace was never meant to. Under the Brehen laws of the Celts, the role of women was far greater than under patriarchal Roman law, which was implemented throughout the takeover of Christianity since the 5th century AD. Since the 13th century, Ireland had been under Norman occupancy, but not all-out control. For the most part, Ireland was still ruled by many warring tribes and clans. No one had been able to unite the clans like Brian Boru had nearly 600 years before. This division was what ultimately would lead to the total collapse of Gaelic society. But within the shaky customs that were honoured was a system where an heir to a chieftain would be chosen within his lifetime. Clanship did not automatically fall to a chieftain's son. This heir apparent was called a Tánishta. This is still the name for the deputy prime minister in Ireland today. Despite every law and custom against her, young Grace O'Malley longed to follow her father's way of life, her ancestor's way of life. While nothing is known of her childhood, Gronuel clearly spent her youth learning all there was to know about sailing. And as male-dominated a society as the land was, that was nothing compared to the seafaring class, where women were, and still are, extremely few and far between. A galley was not seen as a place for women, with no privacy, minimum hygiene, the harshness of the sea foam and salt air on your skin, the calluses on your hands and splinters on your feet from the coarse ropes and rough wooden floors. This is all yet another testament to Gráinne Whale, who, if she was to have any hope of leading men on the sea, had to be able to outsail every man under her. Due to the length of her career at sea, it is clear Dove Dara taught his daughter well. Gráinne Whale emulated her father's character and even his appearance in later life, and it's clear that she did all in her power to be a son to him rather than a daughter. This is where a story about where her moniker of Gráinne Whale originates. Mwale is the Irish word for bald, like Conan Whale, the foe turned friend turned foe of Fionn McCool. So the thought was Gráinne Whale was nicknamed Bald Grace, 
leading to an idea that Gronuel shaved her head to fit in with the entirely male-dominated world of the sea. However, it is far more likely that the name comes from the original name Melia, of which O'Malley is a more contemporary anglicization of. But Black Oak O'Malley had to accept the fact that his daughter's greatest use politically was to be married off to the heir of an allied clan to the O'Malleys. At the age of 16, Grace was married to Donal O'Flaherty, the heir to the powerful O'Flaherty clan who controlled all of Eir Connacht, with lands equivalent to the size of modern-day Connemara. They were a warring tribe with the motto of Fortune Favours the Brave. But they had always been allies with the O'Malleys in war. Donal was the Tornishta to the O'Flaherty clan, and so the marriage of Grace to Donal was particularly satisfactory to Dovdara O'Malley. Grace brought to her marriage a dowry, as was tradition. But in Gaelic law, divorce was common. In possibly my own personal favourite of the Brehen laws, a couple could be married for a year, and if neither party was satisfied with the union, they could both walk away from the marriage, no harm, no foul. In essence, a trial marriage, and a custom I would personally be a huge supporter in the revival of. So under Brehen custom... If the marriage failed or her husband died, Grace could reclaim her marriage dowry. She could also retain her maiden name, as many women did at this time. Grace had never been known by any other name but the name of her ancestral family. Donal O'Flaherty was known as Donal Ancoga, or Donal of the Battles, and he was a reckless and fiery young commander. For a time, his new bride seemed destined to fulfill the role her father and husband and society desired, to keep the house and raise the children. And for a time, Gronuel fulfilled that role. She stayed at home and had three children, two sons, Owen and Murch, and a daughter, Margaret, named after Grace's mother, about whom nothing but her name and ancestry is known, another woman whose story was never accorded and is lost forever. But eventually it became clear to Grania that the traditional life of a woman at this time was not the one for her. It could have been that Donal was an insufficient leader, or it could have been that he was simply outmatched by his singular wife. But soon Grace began to seize more of an active role in trade, politics and war. This is known by her aforementioned 40 years of ruling the sea. It is not long into her marriage that while her husband was off acting as a warlord against rival family the Joyces over a castle in Loch Carob, at home Grace began launching attacks on the ports of the city of Galway. The city of tribes lived in fear of the O'Flaherty's, and written on the Galway city walls was, From the dread O'Flaherty's, God deliver us. It's unclear how much of her power was thrust upon her and how much her ambition seized, but regardless... Grace's charisma, skill and brilliance must have been astonishing to rise to the occasion of holding power as a woman in a male-dominated world. More astonishing is how well she was accepted by the men under her control. Donal of the Battles, appropriately, died in battle, defending the disputed castle on Loch Corrib against the rival Joyce's. Out of respect for his prowess in battle, 
The Joyces had nicknamed Donal as Unculloch, or the Cock, and the castle in question was nicknamed the Cock's Castle. With Donal dead, the Joyces assumed it would be easy to seize the Cock's Castle, but they had not reckoned with the now widowed Grace. Grania Whale swooped in with the now full forces of the O'Flaherty clan. She melted the leaden roof of the castle and poured molten lead over the sides onto the attacking enemies. Grania personally led a defence against the Joyces, which led to the renaming of the Cox Castle, the Cashlon on Karka, or the Hen's Castle, a name it is still known by today. But despite her already considerable accomplishments as the now de facto leader of the O'Flaherty clan, Gaelic custom could not cope with a woman chieftain. Donald's lands and titles passed to his cousin and Grace's two sons, who were in fosterage, as was often the case with the children of noble houses, stood to inherit the lands after that. Grace was forced to return to her father's castle on Clare Island. However, how ever, two hundred of the men under her command left with Grania, leaving their duty, their homes and the family of the O'Flaherty's to go to Mayo with Grania Whale. This yet again proves how incredible a leader Grace surely was that these men were more loyal to her than the clans that fed, paid, and protected them. With a flotilla of three galleys, a number of smaller boats, and 200 wild and fiercely loyal men under her command, Grania Whale took to, as she would later say to Queen Elizabeth, maintaining the land and sea, by taking to and excelling at a custom that has existed in every civilization for 5,000 years, from ancient Persia to modern times. Piracy. Grania Whale, Ireland's pirate queen, was finally at the helm. To be continued. <laughs> The Headstuff Podcast Network is a hub for the creative and the curious. And if you become a member of Headstuff Plus, you will be supporting your favourite podcasters do what they do best. You'll also get access to exclusives, bonus material and discounts on merchandise from every show on the network. There are plenty of shows to start listening to right now, including Double Love, Basically with Stephanie Preisner and Dubland with PJ Gallagher and Suzanne Kane, as well as a whole host of new shows. Audio dramas from the Bootsy Boys and their only stories, to your favourite film classics with the Cinestream Club, or all your questions answered by the Agony Rants team of comedian Gorod Farley and Irish national treasure Neve Kavanagh. Find all these shows and more on the Headstuff Podcast Network wherever you're listening right now, or become a Headstuff Plus member at headstuffpodcasts.com. And that is the first part of Grania Whale, Ireland's Pirate Queen on Fireside. How incredible is that? I don't know how much or how many of my listeners will know much or anything about Grania Whale. I'd be particularly interested to know how, how well she is known abroad, as the information about her is so recent over here. I get the feeling like her name is definitely well known, uh, particularly from, I think most significantly from the song O Roche the Vahawalia, the Irish rebel song, which is about Grania Whale, and which I will do uh, before probably the last of the episodes, because it's one of my favorites to perform, one of the few songs in Irish I can do. 
Um, certainly it was all a huge amount of new information to me. Um, a lot of stuff in, in the later life particularly. And this is where the, the question about the folklore versus facts is particularly interesting with Grania Whale because Brian Baru, as is the the thing I can most compare it to, as he's the other major historical figure that uh, that I've covered rather than mythological. Brian Baru lived over a thousand years ago. Far less was known, so we are piecing together more facts and fiction, and they don't step on each other's toes quite as much. However. Grania Whale only lived 400 years ago, so there was a lot more evidence of that time, but there's significantly less because nothing was written about her because she was a woman. So, and the only reason we have any historical account of her at all is because of these English state records, because, spoiler alert, she wrote all these letters and it ended up having a meeting with Queen Elizabeth I of England. So it's actually because of the English who were working to, and very successfully doing so, totally eradicate Gaelic Ireland and Grania's entire way of life. They are also, ironically, the only reasons we have the historical evidence. And without that, then possibly her legend being passed down orally from generation to generation would have ultimately been in vain, and we would have only ever, in the similar way that Queen Maeve was very likely a historical figure, but we can't possibly know anything concrete about her, um, save for the the Oam Stone above Alnagawas, the Cave of Cats um, in Roscommon, which has the grave of one of Maeve's supposed sons, Frech, and here lies son, Maeve's or here lies Frech, son of Maeve, is considered like one source as to an account of why Maeve was a real person. But without those English state records and without these letters and talk of her then these poems and stories and the oral tradition may have just um, had Grania Whale becoming no more historical figure than any of the other, than Cúchulainn or Fionn Cúl or anything. But it's one, But thankfully, thankfully, that is not the case. And we have incredible biographies and incredible historical accounts of her. And we can marriage the two then. We can have the folklore and the legend and the f- the truth, which is, as it always is, stranger than the fiction. And her story only gets better and better as she's finally at the helm. But I wanted to split it into a few fireside episode-sized chunks. Um, we have this incredible story of Donal O'Flaherty, of her first husband, and this battle for this, that's a little folktale in itself, of the defending of this castle on Lake Corrib, which is in County Galway. And it's still there, and it's still the hen's the hen's castle, which I absolutely adore. And yes, I don't know why it is the thing that stands out so much with me. And Anne Chambers makes a makes a point of of kind of underlying this as well. Is because naturally, in a time where there were no female chieftains and certainly no female sea captains, not certainly not in Ireland anyway the fact that it's the most unclear as to how she actually did it and whether or not it was just like pressure that it was thrust upon her that she was forced it or if she took this power because by all accounts this first husband was no doormat you know if he was known as Donal of the Battles I'm sure he was very contented and very firm for Grace to have her place and to stay at home and keep the house and raise the children but that wasn't what Grace was going to do that she wasn't having any of that sort of nonsense and 
but while we don't know whether it was thrust upon her or whether she took control herself, she obviously was completely capable of it. And we don't know anything about her childhood, but she must have been sailing from the time she could stand because she was a better sailor than any of the men under her command and took the personal control of the helm. And so she must have been taught this by her father. Father who had no other legitimate children. There was one illegitimate brother that she had um, who possibly could have had a better claim. But Grace was the better sailor and the more skilled fighter and everything. And it's amazing that we kind of, with Anyway, we have a history of a process of deduction. It's like Sherlock Holmes. You know, we if... If everything else seems impossible, then the only thing left has to be the truth. You know, we don't know. We don't know when she learned to sail, but we know that she did learn to sail to as high a degree as possible. We know that, like, she couldn't have seized power. We know that she did, and all of the things about whether it was thrust upon her or took it are irrelevant because she did. And there's no original accounts of her attacks on Galway. Um, but we just know that she, the accounts say she ruled for forty years. That she was at the, the she was in on the sea for forty years, which would have meant that she started very, very, very young. Um, so it's all just the process of deduction, and all you're left with is what can just only be the truth. And it's a really, really interesting way to look at history. And particularly for me, coming from a storytelling and folklore background, it really lends itself nicely to this. Like I haven't. I haven't uh, built anything up. I've just like told it in my own words and tried to streamline it with certain figures and only focusing on certain aspects in certain episodes as I've seen fit, which is all that I can do. I'm not saying it's the right or wrong way, but it's the most authentic way I can do it. Um, but that that is our first part, and I really hope you enjoyed it. Um, it's very exciting to be doing it, and I know a lot of people have been asking me to do this for a while. And I'm glad I waited. I'm glad I waited till it was the right time to do it. And yeah, the the first episode is always of anything new is always the hardest to write because you're starting the research, where to begin, where to start the first line. But I'm happy with this first episode, and now I'm really excited for the ensuing ones. But we are going to have folk tales in between. I don't know what the folk tale for uh, next week will be yet, um, but I'll have more of a game plan. I'm getting back. I've been here for two weeks now. It's been very, very busy. I've been doing six six gigs a week, um, and I'm still very much feeling out the vibe of the gig and uh, having to practice a lot during the days, adding new songs, taking out songs each and every day, trying to get the best possible set. Again, yeah, on the off chance, any of the listeners happen to be in Dubai uh, over the next couple of months, do call over to the expo and pop into the Irish village. I will almost certainly be there in the evenings. But I'm having a great time, and it's fantastic. I'm very, very grateful to be working, especially with how uh, bleak things have gotten in Ireland. It's it's getting bad over here as well. We're being tested constantly. Um, fortunately, the entire venue is outdoors, um, which makes you feel a little bit safer, as safe as you can feel in this dark, dark time. Um, but all we can do is soldier on, each and every one of us, day to day. So I'll wrap things up there, folks. Thank you so much. Um, I'll see you next week. Please do buy my poetry book, Garden Sea, either on Kindle or on paperback. It delivers all around the world. <clears throat> uh, links are in the description. Uh, support Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com. Uh, I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside.
This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. 